morning, John. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Oh, that is good. This is this is Popcorn Escaton, a a side channel of Zebras in America, where Scott Thoreau and John Arminio discuss movies from a leftist and religious lens and try to talk about where those two things meet. If they do, we do movies that implicitly talk about these things and we talk about movies that explicitly talk about these things and or when there is a surfeit talk about that and we've been going we were a little light-hearted last week and we're semi-light-hearted this week half half on half off though mm-hmm. one of the halves is quite not lighthearted. So I think we should talk about the the less lighthearted one first cuz I have sure. so many thoughts. Would you like to tell me about Metalhead? Uh yeah. Um so Metalhead is a uh 2013 Icelandic drama directed by Ragnar Bragason um about uh, beginning in the 80s um there's a rural Icelandic family, and they suffer a, a pretty sort of pointless tragedy where uh, the their elder son is killed in a, a pretty graphic farming accident. And, yeah. Um, the, and they're basically frozen in grief for several years, and the especially the sister sort of imprints her identity on to her older brother and um, sort of absorbs his heavy metal love and uses that as a way to sort of like numb herself and isolate herself as well as, you know, like, like drinking and socially isolating herself from her family, community. And um, the movie is, is about how the family has to finally be honest with how they're grieving rather than just not talking about it. But also about uh, the sister Hera being able to um, find her own identity separate from the community that's not prescribed, but also one that's not this sort of unhealthy, like knee-jerk antithesis to anything that's being um, suggested or pressured on- onto her uh, by the community, and so this coincides with the very famous uh, church burnings and murder that occurred in Norway in the early 90s, which she becomes fascinated with through the course of the film. And did you discover this movie as like, because like you love metal and also love movie? Like, how was this movie put on your radar? And Uh, also one more thing, fret not listeners. Um, Although it was hard to find this movie, if you have a membership to Canopy, which is a wonderful streaming service that you that you need only a library card, it is available on there. Oh, nice. Canopy to the rescue again. I, I did not even realize that. Um, yes, because you sent me a, a screener mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to, I was unable to revisit the screener and I was like, dang, I want to watch a couple more scenes and I was able to find it on canopy 
I think Canopy and Tubi are doing the Lord's work. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think uh, in the underground metal community, uh, anytime there's a, a movie that focuses on metal, especially black metal, there's sort of chatter about it. And there have been a lot of sort of either documentaries or dramas about, not a lot, but several, like about the, the, the church burnings in Norway, um, especially um, adapting or about the Lords of Chaos book that came out in the 90s, which is riddled with inaccuracies for a lot of reasons. Um, like they basically, like they just let people like Varg Vikernes, uh like say anything he wants and, and don't. Um, in, interrogate him with any like journal journalistic um, thoroughness at all. So it, it, it's full of lies because he's interesting. A liar. Yeah, he, oh, he, so he's a liar. Yeah, this this really frustrates me when when it's very rare. Sometimes, like you and I both have like a love of niche things mm-hmm. or things that seem niche to others but have a very loving fan base. And, and so sometimes when people work on something, I'm like, this is probably all I'm going to get. Yeah. So, so when they don't approach with journalistic rigor or care, or they just flop, it's really frustrating because, because it's very likely one going to be the only time that people interact or we or like, so, so people will get bad information or just like people will never interact with it again. So like my under like I know about black metal from magazine articles from the nineties. Um, Cause it was like, it was like a cause celebre um, in the music world because yo, like there's this music where the lead singers are killing each other and they're, they're burning churches and they're eating people on stage and yada yada. And I was like, I don't know how much of that is true. And there were articles in magazines about it. And like the music was hard for me to find in the 90s because as people know, before the internet, we didn't have access to every single music that you wanted. And most of my friends didn't listen to Norwegian black metal and or like the people that I knew that liked metal, which were mostly Eastern European kids that were like first generation, like they loved metal mm-hmm. and also dream theater. I get, dream theater is more prog than metal. Is that fair? I would call them prog metal. Okay, metal. fair enough. Yeah. So like I don't want to make like I feel like for some reason making fun of Norwegian accents is okay, but making fun of Eastern European accents is not but like i'll just i just never forget like smoking cigarettes being 13 sitting on the steps of like the cigarette smoking area like a block away from my high school so 14 um and these kids who were um eastern european like escaped the soviet union mm-hmm. lived in brighton beach but took the train every day here and loved metal and they were like dream theater bro and like made me a cassette and i was like this is interesting they were yeah. like they were like oh black metal is too metal for me like so i had no 
I didn't listen to the music until much later in life. And I learned to, to really like it in a certain way because of the meditative aspect of listening to Norwegian death metal on low volume. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, it's not totally a genre for me, but, but I love people's love for it. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems frustrating that someone would make a movie and just not give like rigor yeah i mean um so to, to quickly go over like what happened in in the 90s for anybody who, who's not aware please do. um yeah so um there's like the first wave of black metal which happened in the 80s and that's uh like bands like venom and merciful fate who then influenced these norwegian kids um in in scandinavia who started to take the um, evil imagery of heavy metal like seriously and, and had to be the most like they, they wanted to literally be evil um, to, to sort of like up their rep, I guess. And so this was bands you know like mayhem and and Burzum and Emperor and um, but it, it attracted kids who were legitimately alienated and legitimately mentally ill. And uh, one of those was the lead singer of Mayhem, who went by the uh, stage name Dead. Um, he killed himself um, yeah. because, you know, he, he was depressed. And this is how he was trying to express that through art. But his friends and artistic collaborators were not, you know, very supportive. Um, and so what happened was his bandmate, Euronymous, um, found him and before calling the police, he took a picture of Dead's dead body, um, used that as a cover for a bootleg, I think, or a demo. And he did take pieces of his skull as a, as souvenir. What, what he did with those parts is sort of up for debate still. Okay. Um, so, so the, those are the kind of guys that, that, that we're dealing with, and um, uh, especially the guys in Mayhem, but other people of the scene would then um, burn down uh, churches in Norway that were hundreds of years old. Like, from their perspective, it, this, Christ, this Christianity was like an invading culture, rooting out the native pagan culture. But in my opinion, if a church is 800 years old, it, it's, it's part of your culture now. Um and and after that happened, um, Varg Vikernes uh, murdered Euronymous, um, and then was arrested. Uh, and since then, Varg has become sort of a cause celeb in the like racist metal community. He's made several albums in prison. He's out of prison now. Um, but there was a bunch of other guys who committed murder in that scene. Um, yeah, one of the members of, of Emperor and. Um, that one was racially motivated and disgusting. Um, but ironically and deliciously, black metal has become, in my opinion, the genre of music who, whose very sparse template is most applicable for other cultures to sort of graft their native music onto. So you have bands from Africa or... China or Native Americans um, using that template to express their own cultural heritage, and I think that's sort of a, a beautiful turnaround. 
Um, and I think that's also why it appeals to um, the main character of Metalhead, Hera. Um, and that's also, I think, why this movie gained a very positive sort of whisper campaign in the 2010s about how it takes these themes and power of heavy metal seriously and not sensationalist, um, but sort of takes it as, like, legitimate artistic expression and a way for, I mean, a way someone might legitimately um, deal with grief. Yeah, it was it was so delicate for such an indelicate subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I may talk about the film for a little bit, um, yeah, this 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 family is uprooted by absolute tragedy. Um, the son in the family dies in a very tragic accident, and we're then we fast forward to the mid '90s as these things you're telling me about are happening. And this character is just sort of projected her brother's tastes onto herself because her brother was really deeply into metal and she gets deeply into metal and she starts acting metal in a town that is pretty, you know, regular, you know, just like a regular town. There's a church, there's uh, social clubs. She tries to mosh. She tries to smoke cigarettes in church. Like she's, she's exhibiting what people will sometimes call antisocial behavior, but really, it seems like a cry for help. Her yeah. and her parents yeah. are frozen by grief and unable to get out of it. And the way that they show that in the film is just really powerful, and. And stunning. I just thought the film was stunning. It was it was shot well. It was paced well. It was acted well. And it and and for for a movie about music to move me, it has to really show the passion that the people have for it. And 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 show not tell me. I'm again. This genre is really not for me. But the whole time I was deeply moved by it. I was connected. I was like, I want to hear more. I want to understand more. And and because it's during the 90s and we don't have the internet, we just have this small town 90s thing as, as you know, we can talk about, you know, if we do a little expose on the metal genre and like talk about uh, Damien Eccles at some point, um, you know, and the satanic panic of the 90s in America. Yeah. Um, and the 80s where like people really thought that metal music was causing all this satanic violent things and and people were for the most part, you know, accused of crimes they did not commit. Um, I'm I'm drawing a little blank on the Damien Eccles thing, which is why I'm not going deeper into it, but um, basically was it Nebraska? Uh, uh, I can't remember. Sorry. Well, some metalheads were accused of murdering some kids. Tennessee, in Tennessee, Tennessee, and I, I'm like ninety nine percent sure they did not do it. The, the proof. Oh God, that... God, I'm sorry. It, it is Arkansas. God, I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. Yeah, sorry. Um, so if you look up like the Arkansas. If you like Google Arkansas metal murders, 
you'll see about the Arkansas Three and these kids that just were into metal music were convicted of murder, railroaded. Again, it, there's like three or four documentaries about it, and mm-hmm. I don't think they did it. Yeah. I believe that one of the fathers or stepfathers of one of the children did it, and there's a lot of evidence that suggests that. And they eventually were released on an Alford plea, which is a type of plea where you sort of are like, basically it's a thing where like, I can't sue the state, but let me out. It's complicated. Look into it. But I'm saying like metal music in small towns pre-internet was a lot. And... But in this movie, the way they handle it is just so delicate and beautiful because as she's like getting deeper and deeper and angrier and angrier and her behavior is getting more violent, the responses are not what you would expect. And like also in the middle of it, she makes like a demo, which I think which by my standards of music would be considered like outsider metal. Or outsider music, uh, f- because because it's like made outside of the confines of traditional music making. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like yeah. she makes this dope ass metal demo with like just herself and some drum machines. Yeah, in in a barn. In a barn. <laughs> yeah. And like when you find music like that, that that you'd call like outsider music, there's often like a lot of things that are technically questionable but like the the grit of it connects um i have some friends where their whole thing is finding rare rap recordings from the early 80s um and again like the music is sometimes inelegant or uh crude because like the people that are making this stuff don't know what they're doing but it can be like so satisfying and you'll just and you'll find like a whole album that some weird kid in Connecticut made with like his savings and there's like four copies made in like 1984 when like rap music was very strange so um yeah that is one of the the cool things about early black metal is that um the the I don't want to say the worse it sounds, the better, but like if 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 you can make a good record that sat that is just like just on a, a four track, then like that's awesome. Like it gives you credibility, and and that now that sort of like lo-fi sensibility is a bit performative because of how you know easy it is to get your hands on recorded materials. But in the early '90s, that that was not the case, um, and and. And so in a way that like democratized metal because you didn't have to have um, these like uh, extraordinarily sophisticated recording equipment because you you wanted to be like raw and and gritty. And and so Hera is able to do that because she just like gets a bunch of amps in her barn and, and like screams her soul into the microphone. It's great. Yeah, and that's a thing that transcends genre. Um, Like, bedroom four-track and eight-track music Mm -hmm. um, exists on all genres. Yeah. And 
there's like geniuses of it in each genre. Um, rap is there's so again this is the stuff that I that I will sometimes spend like hours on YouTube trying to find this stuff, trying to find the bedroom rap from the '80s, the bedroom rap from the '90s, but like. In Baltimore, there's this musician, Linda Smith, who's just been making, like, dream pop on four tracks for, like, 30 years. And it's amazing. And then there's, like, Daniel Johnston, who was making bedroom music on cassettes. And it's, like, some of the greatest songwriting. But again, it's, like, it's messy. It's not like a Beatles record. It's not like a Metallica record. It's not, you know, like, it's not clean. It's dirty. And it's awesome. And then, and the thing is, like, sometimes on an entire album of the messy stuff, you might find one song Mm -hmm. because it's so like, again, I guess messy is the best word I I, I can use here. Uh, uh, Recently, there's been a couple, you can find a couple um, compilations of minimal wave, like bedroom, bedroom new wave from the 80s. Oh, from the 80s. Wow, okay. Yeah. And again, like these archivists might find like 30 songs and maybe only one of them hits, but it hits, man. Yeah. And and I love that shit. And the way they captured that in this movie was really powerful. And I think, I think we... I'll try to be loose about the, the main meat of the story that... that I think made you have me watch it is the main character does a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. And instead of punishing her for the bad thing, the community come together and sort of go, we're going to, we got you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the way the community comes together is really beautiful. And I think, um, that is a, a bit of a window into Scandinavian culture where, um, I, I think that there just is a, a greater sense of connectivity in individual communities like this. And so that even if Hera is trying to make herself an outsider, the community still sees her, even if they're frustrated and maybe even enraged by her, they, they still want to, to help her. Um, and I think the guys in, in, in like mayhem, um, you know, they didn't have that. Because I, I think, like, I think if you come from a place where there's this sort of um, even-keeled pleasantness, mm-hmm. like there is in Scandinavia, which might seem like a socialist paradise to us. Right. But if, but if you're a, a 17, 18-year-old person, like, with depression and you don't feel any sense of happiness, you feel alienated and you're surrounded by happy people. I, can, I think that can be pretty like mentally d- discombobulated. And so that that's what I, I think sort of triggered this movement in the early nineties, this like 
when you're alienated, surrounded by, you know, much happier people. Um, but but this community was able to support Hera, and she was able to find some support in the metal community at large um, because her demo, you know, made its rounds in the metal scene in, in Scandinavia, and they were astonished by it. And you do get some great um, comic relief uh when these Norwegians show up. And this is sort of like a running theme in Scandinavian movies. Like, anytime, like, you have an Icelandic movie and Norwegians show up, or, or vice versa, or a Swedish movie and, and Finns show up, they're often these, like, adorable, uh, confused but well-meaning uh, nitwits. Or, or they're just prone to social awkwardness, and it, it's kind of delightful to see them kind of show up in the midst of all this family and local drama. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, a lot of these countries are, like, democratic socialist countries where there's a lot of access and a lot of medical access and, mm. and like, safety net programs and conservatives will argue well there's there's a lot of um self-harm and there there's there's like stuff like that and i'm and there is this interesting thing that happens in countries that have a lot of access um you start having more instances of self-harm more instances of antisocial behaviors more instances of that and and i'm I, I can't figure out exactly what's going on there, but I think, you know, when people say, oh, well, people didn't have anxiety or depression when they were being chased by bears, I'm like, well, actually, I believe that those were existed in our brain to, like, keep us from getting eaten by bears, but it yeah. just presented in different ways. And, like, now that we're not being eaten by bears, we have time to think about and ponder the 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 pain of the world um and it's very interesting like these countries that should have all these things you're getting people doing the whole black metal thing and mm -hmm. going zigging when others might zag and you know that for for countries that are have such extraordinarily low crime rates, especially violent crime rates compared to America, you know, they also have a fascination with murder. Like, you know, both in, in this music, but, you know, in literature, like Scandinavian murder mysteries are an international industry. And, and so I think there is this cultural morbidity that, that, fascinates people f from from these countries that that spurns them to create art like this and and write 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 books like that um and maybe that's just the fact that for six months out of the year it's really dark all the time i, I oh no, I, that, I, that, that's I, definitely has to be a part of it yeah when i was in when i was in uh denmark and latvia last summer it didn't get dark until 12 o'clock at night. And it was like, I was like, oh, this is a totally different existence. 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of lovely, but I imagine in the days where there were, it's like daytime all the time or nighttime all the time. Like, of course, people are going to be a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Now, I, I have heard Scandinavian people talk about that um, it's like nice in the winter because that's the time where you're supposed to like get together with your family and and commune um within the darkness that it's like a cozy time of year and that that does sound very nice but i imagine if you don't have a good relationship with your family or don't have a good friend group it can be pretty stressful and yeah so basically this movie is about community and grief and love and music yeah yeah, Hera has a couple just really great monologues about how she connects with metal, and like it, it still is like a show don't tell way, but just the way she talks about like Judas Priest or 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 plays Lizzie Borden's Me Against the World, like the the um like the music choices are just are are so perfect, and I think that's why it's not on larger streaming services or has a physical media release in America because the, the, the soundtrack is really great. Um, but there, there's just this... Um, there's just there's such a love for the music that, that Hera is listening to, even if it's part of an unhealthy coping mecha- mechanism. And I think that that balance is just so remarkable. And eventually you start seeing that she started she starts to cope yeah and she starts to find solace and the family comes together um unrelated but related um i know the black metal scene is getting a little bit of heat this month do you know where i'm going with this uh i don't think so so kanye west Okay. Um, who was once one of my favorite rappers and has had a pretty fantastic uh, fall from grace over mm-hmm. the past few years. And uh, I think I don't like to give him much credence, but I, I think he's both mentally unwell and maybe has some really terrible views. It, it, both things can be true. Yeah. Um, cause he says things that are, that, that have been deeply hurtful to many marginalized groups. Um, women, um, Jews, uh, the things he said about slavery, he's been really hurtful in many ways about a lot of things. And this goes past him, like wearing, um, a make America great again hat. Cause I don't think like, I don't know that, that um, musicians being provocative politically is a tale as old as time. Yeah. So, but recently uh, he was seen uh, wearing a, um, a Burzum shirt with JPEG <laughs> mafia. Okay. Um, and was like working on a record that also had like 
an allusion to some black metal now now you just had uh, a little bit of a reaction could you tell me why well um burzum is the previously mentioned varg uh solo project um and and varg has been openly racist um anti-semitic and homophobic for decades um and so like like for me it, like if you see someone in a bursum shirt at a metal show it's it's sort of like a performative sign that like i am on this side of the racist line and i want you to know about it um and so i i don't know what kanye's metal literacy is um because i you know maybe like five years ago there was a trend for a lot of pop artists to be wearing like metal shirts because i, I just think it was like an an aesthetic fad um so i don't know if this is a remnant of that or if he's or, or if he's wearing it in the same way that he wore a make america great again hat to to just sort of like be transgressive but it's um yeah uh, a weird choice any any final thoughts before we move to our next movie about community? Um, you know, one thing that I really loved is the performance at the at the end of the movie, uh, where Hera sort of like finds her her own musical voice, and it's really beautiful. And I think um, if anyone who sees this movie enjoys that music, I just have a couple recommendations. Um, uh, Soul Dusk, S-L-U-D-U-S-K, uh, Merkur, that's M-Y-R-K-U-R, and also uh, Martha, or Marta, from Italy, that's M-A-R-T-H-E, and sort of in line with Hera's um, artistic aesthetic, uh, Martha is uh, one a leftist Italian woman who made a couple demos in her attic and recently released her debut album, further in evil and um it's awesome Ooh, can you send me uh, a link to that because i i will that sounds awesome yeah it's it's great um and if yeah there, there's plenty of leftist metal out there i mean like there's a there's a a metal band with i think three women called feminazgul <laughs> so that's that's fucking awesome I know it is. Uh, anyway, so th- there's there's lots of great uh, black metal out there if if metalhead um, inspires your interest. There's there's a metal band um, called the Wretched of the Earth, mm. which is a Franz Fanon book we've talked about. Franz Fanon, Franz Fanon, if you will, on the podcast before. I've actually never listened to their music, but I do know that their name is deliberate. So I'd be interested in seeing what kind of music they are. But it seems like there there are a lot of people who, um, yeah, that love this music that have really awesome views and honestly like I have in my life right now 
I have two metal heads, you and um, Frank, and y'all are like two of the kindest people I know. Well, thank you. There's there's a saying which I actually sort of like really like, where um, hippies present as really nice, but are but are really mean, mm-hmm. and metalheads present as mean, but are usually really nice. Yeah, and, I can see that, yeah. Like, and, and in my life, a lot of people that are like hippies, I'm like, oh, you come across as nice, but you, you like, you are really selfish and like nasty. And a lot of the hippies in the 70s turned into like gigantic capitalists. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, what's that guy, Corpse Grinder, right? Yeah, George Corp, Corp, George Corpse Grinder Fisher. Yeah, who's like seems like one of the most wholesome people in the world. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. He's so follow his Instagram. Um, it's just him getting stuffed animals uh, out of claw machines and give them to kids. And then um, the lead singer of Rotting Christ, Saki's Tolis, will post like. Instagram videos about how much he loves his son and about how he took his family to the beach for vacation, just like that, 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 that kind of stuff. Another wholesome dude. Yeah, it's just like, oh, like maybe people are using this powerful dark music as a way to be kind. Yeah. Sort of like how like David Lynch uh, makes these really intense movies and like is big into meditation yeah yeah you're you're more likely to find a david lynch type in a metal band than a a phil anselmo type phil anselmo being the the lead singer of pantera and some other bands and not a very nice person no A, a lot of a lot of problems i think but yeah not a nice guy Look, people's trauma is an explanation, not an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's what we do with it. But because we we try to keep these episodes on the relatively short side, I really think that we should talk about um, this next movie. Tell yeah. me about Be Kind Rewind, John. Yeah, so uh, Be Kind Rewind is the 2008 comedy. Uh, fantastic, a little bit of fantastical surreal surrealism in there. Oh yeah, uh, by, by uh, Michelle Gondry. Um, it, maybe it was made like 15 years too late because it's about a VHS uh, rental store. But I think that that's part of its charm, in which um, Jack Black and Moe's Def, um, who currently goes by the name uh, Yasin Bey, uh, are employees at uh, Danny Glover's VHS video store, and due to um, electromagnetic shenanigans, uh, Jack Black becomes magnetized and erases all the tapes, and so they have to create their own versions of the movies, a process called, they call sweeting, 
and these sweeted versions of mainstream movies become a huge hit in the community, and they then try to um, save the video store by producing their own films. And the whole whole community uh, ends up getting involved. And last week we discussed a cute film, a little bit about community in New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, Patterson, and today we talk about be Kind Rewind, which takes place in Passaic, New Jersey. And yeah, it's like towards the end of rental stores. Rental stores are starting to pop up again. But I remember around this time, like around 2010, there were still a few rental stores left. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have like Redbox and stuff, but that's not the same. Like there were still stores and... There still was a VHX at VHS section for a little while at at these stores. And I knew about Be Kind Rewind for a couple of years. There was a little trouble making it because of the sweeting, because of like figuring out which movies they were going to be able to remake mm-hmm. uh, was was a bit of a problem because of, you know, clearance because of what it is. And. So I was obsessed with this movie. I wanted, the, I was, I couldn't wait for this movie to come out. I thought the pairing of Most Def and Jack Black, and also like Donald Glover, Do, Danny Glover, sorry, Mia Farrow, Sigourney Weaver, like all these amazing actors in this movie. I'm like, this, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. And it wasn't the best movie I ever seen, but. I think it's a delightful movie. I think it's a wonderful artifact of what it is. I think the fact that it was made in 2008 and not 1998 gives it its its charm. Mm -hmm. I think Michelle Gondry, who was the darling of a type of indie film, this is sort of the one that, pushed him a little back into his own niche. Now he's, he mostly makes movies in French. Uh, he doesn't have the popularity he has of when he made, you know, um, eternal sunshine, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and sort of thrust upon us a, a very long tradition of the manic pixie dream girl and other tropes, but also like gave us, really gave us some of the best music by John Bryan and and the music of Spot Spotless Mind was a response was a was a inspiration for Jay Electronica when he first came out. So like Michelle Gondry is very important in the Zeitgeist and he I, he directed the documentary about Dave Chappelle's block party. I mean he's 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 done some really amazing cultural things, and he's yeah. he's he's made a lot of great movies, um, and this movie was sort of like a love letter to VHS culture and video rental culture, and a part of my life and your life and people our age's life that young people might not understand of like going to the video store figuring out what you want to watch, renting it, seeing it. But in this movie, again, similar similar to one of the big pieces of Metalhead is 
the the neighborhood decides to come together to help because they you know it's a it's a community and i think something we have missed lately mm-hmm. and it started i think around 911 in america is smaller and smaller community people being more and more individualistic and i believe rugged individualism and the capitalist ideal will eventually be the downfall of the west if it's not already starting and this film is um socialism in action yeah and you know it just culturally it it doesn't help that we you know suffered through the greatest pandemic of uh well at least since the um the influenza pandemic and so you know that caused everyone to you know for fear of their lives become more individualistic like part of thinking for others became part of the culture war uh-huh. um like the masking and and such um and any sort of covid protocols became a, a political statement and not a public health issue and that um I think that's definitely poisoned the culture even further. Um, but that also, you know, makes art from this era, I think, all the more charming because it, it, it feels like, um, it, like if you, I don't think you can make this movie now because I, I don't know if an audience would buy this sort of uh, c- community engagement from these two knuckleheads. You, you know, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, I think I think Americans would be like, wait, y'all would do all this discomfort and labor and burden for other people. Yeah, I mean, and and, and also like, there's a, um, a couple movies they Swede are like Boys in the Hood and When We Were Kings, and Jack Black plays leads in those movies, and like everyone is okay with that. But then later he he does do blackface, and that's like the and everyone responds appropriately um, because he yeah and he's also an idiot but like everyone forgives him for being an idiot like he apologizes and, and we move on and yeah and so because he's a part of the community and people care about him they're able to get over this mistake. Right, because so for me as a social worker and a believer of God and and a believer in redemption, I don't one cancel culture for comedians isn't really real. It's this boogeyman that they like to talk about, but yeah, yeah. Like if it's about saying bad things, I don't really see the proof that it's really a thing. Um for like these very rich successful men but and like anti-culture war people are always lamenting like um well well you could never make you can never make that robert down you can never make tropic thunder now oh and and i'm like look i i don't know that that's that that that's really true because i think most people understand the what the conceit of tropic thunder and the problems of it are and 
yeah, like Jack Black does a scene where he's in blackface and in in this movie, and everyone's like, "Yo, you're an idiot," and he's like, "Oh, my bad." And and they and like he grows from it. He's called in, not called out, right? And yeah. that's what community is, you know. Um, we live in a world where people are getting called out so quick because because we live in the quick era someone has a problem with some a comedian has a problem with another comedian they go on tiktok or youtube or whatever and then that other person responds really quickly with receipts or sometimes without receipts or like sometimes in the in the age of like a colleen ballinger a really bad ukulele video and and then it's about how you cannot avoid making mistakes. Yeah. What what separates you is what you do when the mistakes are made. But because of YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, these things happen more and more often. People are getting people that have huge online platforms are getting their platforms threatened almost every day there's there's a new tiktok account i like called niche t which basically just talks about niche beefs that are happening in different fandoms and they've existed for like two two months and they already have like 20 episodes because there's always something going on yeah and they also explain like look there's ways to like apologize there's ways to do things um and i think be kind rewind deals with that really well and it's mm -hmm. just like sort of like a love letter to to vhs yeah and the last stand of it and it also like for a while people were inspired to to swede their own movies if you go on YouTube and try to find sweeted stuff. It's just really charming trying to cosplay and remake movies with items around your house. It, it reminds me of like almost like a cousin to the dogma 95 movement, but in mm -hmm. a different way. Um, and whereas the dogma 95 movement is often bogged down with its rules. Yeah. It comes from a good place of like, trying to make make movies interesting and i think this movie is interesting and i remember around this time when this movie was being made michelle gondry was talking about like the beauty of lopsided movies and silly movies and like the kind of things he was doing and trying to do and also you know he made green hornet which is you know, it's a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. That's basically all it is. And when he was asked what his favorite superhero movie was, he was like Superman 3 with Richard oh, wow. Pryor. Interesting. And, like, I do love Superman 3, but it is a mess. Yeah. And I think Michel Gondry is obsessed with the mess. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's able to, to make the movies he makes. But... And I just, I just really want people to 
to give a visit to Be Kind Rewind and, you know, think about your neighborhood stores and your neighborhood people. And if you're walking around your neighborhood and you see a fundraiser or you hear like a store is going through something, help them out. Because yeah. because when the local stores close, they don't reopen. A cell phone store or a bank or something will reopen. You know, a bunch of much-loved community restaurants in my area closed, like, the past two months. They just couldn't do it anymore. And, yeah. um... And, you know, I, um... I know I denigrated, uh... America's sense of community uh, a few minutes ago, but, you know, when Comics Connection had to close for lockdown, you know, I had customers call the store... And just ask, like, what's on your shelf right now? What can I buy to support you while you're shut down? And that was really heartening that, like, it was just so clear how much getting comics meant to so many of of our customers. And it was just, it was really great to see that our customers, like, really came out to to support us during, during that time. And I'm just so glad because, right, if you guys had to close... Again, another comic book store wouldn't be the one that reopens. Yeah. Like, like these places, these stores, these third places, they will not be reopened. And like the new versions of these stores, the new comic book stores, the new video rental stores, the new things... They're, they're awesome, but usually they're very different. They're a little capitalist-focused. Um, there's a new chain of like comic book gaming miniature things that's coming up here in Maryland. And, and like I tried to go, but it just wasn't my vibe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. <sighs> just not my thing. But then there's Beyond, Beyond Video Baltimore, where... Like you can get a a yearly membership and just rent thousands of DVDs, laser discs, and VHS, and nice. and like they have a like a like a sale, a flea market, not flea market, uh, whatever it is. They have like a special sale, like once a year, where they just like have all this incredible shit. But still, like it's like a weird niche, almost like museum. Like, the things that we love just don't exist like they used to exist. And it's just hard. It's just hard. So when you can support these businesses, just support the businesses when you can. Absolutely. Um, and and be kind, rewind. Because what does that, that term comes from? VHS stores, like cassettes, you have to literally rewind. V- tapes you have to rewind and it was considered selfish to return a tape that you rented not rewound because then because then the worker would have to rewind themselves and it's just be kind think about others you know what i mean yeah absolutely and do you have any thoughts before before we before we uh leave today uh, um yeah, it would be nice if we were all kinder but uh um uh, one thing that i i enjoyed about be kind rewind is 
in a lot of ways, it is a, a love letter to rental culture, but it's also a love letter to just like big movies, mm-hmm. you know, like like, like two thousand one and, and Ghostbusters and, and RoboCop and even Driving Miss Daisy, and and so for a director like Michelle Gondry, who has this like very um, potent patina of like indie European filmmaker. For him to be doing love letters to those kind of movies, I think is just really interesting and very fun to watch. And also be, because it's clear that not all the characters like all the movies that they're sweeting, that it's like, you know, we can disagree on whether Driving Miss Daisy is a good movie or not. But it's important to me that it's important to you and that we can then, like, do this movie right for you because we want you to have a good time. And, and that's part of what makes it so charming. Exactly. So what what the reason why I believe Be Kind Rewind is a movie people should watch and take in is because of what its message, not necessarily whether it's a good movie. I do think it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. Yeah. But the message like love your neighbor, support people and be there. And, uh, yeah, um, exactly. It was good talking about community with you, John. It was good talking about community with you, Scott. Thank you. And thanks for watching Metalhead. I I appreciate it. I really liked it. Check it out on Canopy, y'all. Yeah. And uh, be kind, rewind.